This time on the Rule Right Radio podcast with New York Mike. Let's talk about the fake everything. Fake news. Fake science. Fake fake arrest. And again, symbolic of everything going on was the fake arrest of AOC right there on camera for everybody to see. The casual way they made believe they were handcuffed with a wink and a smile should have let everyone know that lying is just so normal, so why not? And bring law enforcement in on the act with these mugshot selfies that the officers are taking. Even contaminating the law by making them complicit in this charade by actual members of Congress. They made it look easy. Just just as they as they've made it look easy to get the country on board with the global warming hoax. He wears black denim trousers and motorcycle boots and a black leather jacket with his name on the back. He does a patriotic podcast called Roll Right Radio. His name is New York Mike and welcome to the show. This is Roll Right Radio. I'm New York Mike. We talk a lot about politics, and, and politics is really important. There's no question about it. it to me, it, it means you, you hear me all the time. I talk about I want to talk about some of the other things, especially motorcycle events and motorcycle riding, and, and we're going to. So I'm going to start off talking about that. But I, I, just so you know, we are going to talk about this whole fake news and fake everything phenomenon that we've been living with, which is probably the most, there's a word I'm looking for. We've seen it, and we've seen it so much, but the comic books kind of thing that we saw the other day, when AOC and a handful of the, the squad, that's the left-wing Democrat members of Congress, I, I don't know if they're all female, but the, the five or six that you all, Elon, Elmar, and, and all these, most of them are, and they're out there protesting. They get arrested. I think they arrested something like 35, 36 protesters in front of the Supreme Court, obviously protesting. The Roe v. Wade decision of the Supreme Court. All of a sudden, the Supreme Court, that's so wonderful and perfect when they pass legislation that the left wing likes. There's nothing ever wrong with that. They're like, oh, it's perfect. When when the conservative majority in America gets something from the Supreme Court that we like, it's horrible, it's terrible. The Supreme Court needs to be abolished or whatever. And they go out and they protest. And they, and they look, everybody has the right to protest. We protest all the time. It's a good thing. But it was just funny because... Most of their protesting for the last few years since the George Floyd murder have been very destructive. They've been using these tactics to really hurt and intimidate the Supreme Court judges, the country as a whole. What they've done to destroy cities, they make people afraid to just walk the streets. Ordinary common people, they just, we don't want to be confronted every day with this kind of, it's assault. We're being assaulted by this whole left wing, BLM and Tifa, and then going right into Congress. 
to these people. Maxine Ward is telling people, inciting people to go and chase people out of restaurants. If you see them in gas stations, it's just not right. So here it is. They arrest 30-something protesters and about, I guess, 10 or 15 of them were members of Congress, specifically AOC and her squad friends. And they're walking, the cops are walking them at like, not quite a perp walk. And they're holding their hands, these individuals being the rest are holding their hands behind their back as if they're handcuffed, but they're not. It's fake. It's fake. And in the middle of walking through the crowd, of course, AOC can't help but raise her hand and pump her fist in the air. Like, yeah, we're standing up. They're not being arrested. It was fake. It's so symbolic of what's been going on. But before we get into that, we're going to talk more about that. We're going to talk about more about the environment. We're going to talk more about electric vehicles. And maybe it's all wrapped into one. It seems like everything that we talk about is related to everything else we talk about. I want to talk about going to Sturgis this year. And it's political. <laughs> Sorry. But uh, so much is. What can I say? Um, I go to Sturgis every year. I love Sturgis. I love the ride there. I always did. I, I, I remember my very first ride, 1985, from New York. I, had, I bought a new FXR, you know, low rider, and it was an evolution. My, it was my first evolution bike, absolutely. Before that, all I ever had was used bikes. And then a new sports, <laughs> which I traded you know, within a year or two, when the, as soon as I saw this Evolution FXR. So got it, and after riding it for a little bit, I go, whoa, this thing is amazing. You can do anything on this thing, anything. And I always, always heard of Sturgis, this mythical ride up in the, in the mountains in South Dakota. Oh, my God. That's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, I, and I'm like, I'm going to go. And I did. And I, I put up a, a big, it was 1985, put a big POW MIA flag on the back of the bike on a, on a stickball bow, <laughs> a stickball bat. <laughs> I remember that. I, you know, I, I, I knew that just a mop hang, a wooden broomstick or whatever, might not stand up to the riding. You could ride this bike. You could you could do a hundred miles an hour easy. So I wanted to get some a pole for that POW flag that was sturdy, and and I, I remember getting a, a stickball pole. If you guys aren't from the place where you play stickball in the streets, a stickball it, it's like a really thick broomstick, so I, and and it, and it's it's not a baseball bat, stickball bat, <laughs> but it's. Hard to describe. <laughs> the, um, the the ride the ride was great, and everything that I had hoped for, and being up there in the in the mountains and 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 amongst the Native American tribes, and seeing buffalo, and just the beautiful, beautiful Black Hills, and riding through that country, it was it was amazing. So anyway, I, I keep on going back, and I remember taking my son Dax with me. For the 50th anniversary, that was 1990. Um, it, it was phenomenal, phenomenal. And and you know, I, I always went. It was always a a fun and challenging to some degree. You know, m motorcycle riding over the years has become easier as you, anything you do more of. 
you get better at, it becomes easier. But also the roads, I remember leaving Sturgis with a, a handful of guys from Denver, Colorado. I was going down to Albuquerque, to Santa Fe actually, Santa Fe, New Mexico. So I went down with them and I remember the roads which I take now all the time. And and at that time, in the I guess that was in the was it in the nineties? No, it was in the eighties. Those were dirt roads for miles. You you went on I think it was I eighty five actually coming down from South Dakota into Wyoming and then from Wyoming yeah into into Cheyenne and so you would leave whatever it was and you were either side and you're going on a maybe a hundred and twenty mile jaunt <laughs> and it's you you ride for twenty miles then it's not paved for five miles or more and then you ride for another 20 then it's not paved again and it, it was it, that was what it was it was a little challenging compared to today so anyway been doing that for all these years and and loving it and in 19 i guess it was the early 2000s i was inducted into the motorcycle museum the museum and hall of fame the sturgis hall of fame which is great they and they induct five people into the Hall of Fame and one person gets into the Freedom Fighters Hall of Fame. Now I think that year, I'm pretty sure I went into the Hall of Fame, the Freedom Fighters Hall of Fame with a handful of others. And I, I don't remember specifically who, but when I get there this year, I'm gonna ask Tony Pan and some of my other friends, how many of there were, because it was more than one that were inducted together into the Freedom Fighters Hall of Fame. But ever since, it, it's just one person gets inducted. And this year, it's not a person. It's an organization. It's an organization called the Motorcycle Riders Foundation, which is kind of the political umbrella organization of all the um, abate organizations around the country. And any other local state MRO motorcycle rights MRO motorcycle rights organization so the motorcycle riders foundation has been a I, I don't you want to call it a watchdog organization they've actually gone in and changed laws they lobby they they're in Washington DC and they're they're on top of the legislators they're on top of the, the Congress and they're influencing laws. They're letting us know, more important than anything else, they're letting us know what's going on so we could write to our senators and members of Congress and, and let them know how we feel about certain laws, especially those that affect motorcycles. And believe me, it's totally nonpartisan. I mean, I don't know if they're left or right. My friends there <laughs> are all right. But it's not, it's about motorcycle laws. It's about laws affecting us as motorcycle riders, motorcycle owners, motorcycle dealers and manufacturers. I, I don't know if they're appreciated. I don't think they are as much as they should be, but they do a lot for us. So this year, they as an organization are going into the Motorcycle uh, Museum and Hall of Fame, the Sturgis Motorcycle Museum and Hall of Fame, and I'm going to be happy to be there. Uh, Kirk Willett. He's called, 
hardtail, and he's called hardtail for a good reason. He's been the chairman of the board of the MRF for a long time now. I, I, I'm going back 20, 20 years. And it, it's uh, to give you a better insight about what this organization is about, just the tip of the iceberg of what they do. Because like I said, they, they do a lot. And this year, uh, they're announcing that HB 1000, prohibiting motorcycling profiling, has been signed into law. Now, we've been working on that for a long time, a, a couple of decades around the country. And they finally, with the help of all the abate organizations around the country, individual bikers and people who have just been active and interested, they, they, they finally have got that signed. That's a big deal. But I, I want to read his, um, his message in the uh, American Bikers Journal. That's their, you know, bi-monthly magazine. It's every, every other month, not twice a month. <laughs> okay, so he writes, Paranoia will destroy you, or in the case of motorcycling, it may just save us. A longtime president, vice president, Jay Jackson, found the saying, just because we're paranoid doesn't mean they aren't out to get us. Where have I heard that before? In, in May of 2022, now get this, every California biker out there. In May of 2022, the California state legislature passed a bill that's heading to the governor's desk to establish a pilot noise camera program in six cities over several years targeting loud vehicles with fines proposed to start in 23. Not speed cameras. Those are already stifling enough, but noise cameras with crime run rampant and many cities unsafe in the state. This is what they come up to spend their enforcement dollars on. Yeah, to fund the police. But yeah, put, put the money up for noise cameras. What could go wrong when a half dozen bikes are riding together and the sound camera goes off? I see it as yet another purposeful way to limit motorcycling by hassling us any way possible. Be alert. We cannot let this gain a foothold anywhere else. What about Europe's version of cash for clunkers? Today it's voluntary in some European countries, sometimes referred to as scrappage incentives, where at some point you turn your old car and spare parts over to the government to be destroyed for a pittance of a reimbursement. Take a look, take a look at the success rates Ireland is touting right now. Our biker friends over the pond are already lobbying to not include motorcycles in these incentive programs because there's a legitimate concern it won't be long and they'll be mandatory, not voluntary. And how long before we see it in the United States? Unless we wake up, it's headed our way. And I don't need to remind us that there's a definite government bent to remove combustion engine vehicles, for me, that means my motorcycle from the roadway. Sadly, many manufacturers are complicit in this activity. Bans are already underway. I could somewhat tolerate this progression if we let it run its course under a free market system of consumer demand. But we couldn't be further from that being allowed to occur right now. We are under attack. Add to that, NHTSA, allowing vehicles nowhere near resembling a motorcycle to be titled and licensed as a motorcycle. Why would they do this? On to the slippery slope 
of autonomous vehicles. How does one make a motorcycle autonomous? Do autonomous four-wheeled vehicles recognize two-wheeled vehicles? Will smart highways in development today have any place for motorcycles? Interestingly, when regulatory and bureaucratic agencies mention motorcycles and lengthy bills directed re related directly related to motor to roads and infrastructure, you have your answer. So let me read that over. Interestingly, when regulatory and bureaucratic agencies don't even mention motorcycles, okay, you have your answer. What about speed limiters on vehicles? What happens when some control freak in a cubicle decides to slow down all vehicles once and I am in a corner or hitting the wick to get around a hazard? And just today I read they're considering a speed limit on the Autobahn. When will this madness end? Well, pay attention, brothers and sisters in the wind. Be paranoid, for they are coming out to get us. So that's a, a little bit of insight and some things that you may not think about. I mean, what about speed limiters on vehicles? I don't know anything about that. So I'm gonna, when I see Willard, when I, when I see him in Sturgis, I'll, I'll have to ask. Or I might make a phone call and find out. But these are the things that's going on. And if we want to stay free to any degree, if we want to keep motorcycles on the road and not only in museums, because that's what the government would like. I mean, do you, do you see playgrounds the way we used to see playgrounds? When I was a kid, we grew up in playgrounds with monkey bars and swings and seesaws and you don't see that anymore because yeah you still see playgrounds per se but they're not what they were it wasn't the fun factory in the, in a local neighborhood why because of too many lawsuits people stop putting them up unless they're so safe or when they're so safe and i'm not saying that takes all the fun out of it but it's not what it was and the, the government is adverse. And when you get elected to Congress, you become part of Congress, the state legislator. And anything per se, really, you are part of a group of people who are adverse to risk. And that's their job. Their job is to take the risk out of our lives. In effect, is that taking the fun out of our lives? Well, they can argue that, and they, and they will. And, and I have had those, those arguments with many people who are passing the laws that we have to obey to, to, to live lives that, that, that aren't uh, to harassed on a regular basis. I mean, that's the way it is. I'm not saying it's that every, everybody that makes laws is a bad person. They're all well-meaning, nice people. But the ones that don't understand our passion for riding motorcycles are mostly the ones, like really over 90% of the ones who are passing these laws to make it difficult to what they would, I'm sure, like to see is impossible. I don't think they'll admit it even to themselves, but that's the goal. Why do we need these motorcycles on the road? Especially the ones that, you know, pass between cars or where there's no lane and they make up their own lanes and they bother people and they buy, drive you crazy and, and, and all the other things. And of course, when you have a motorcycle crash, it, it, makes, it makes them look at every motorcycle that's going to crash. It's like...
When Springsteen makes one of his songs and he calls us suicide machines. That's, that's, <laughs> I, look, I'm not telling you, 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 you shouldn't be able to say what you, you know, what you think because he's glamorizing everything. Those suicide machines. But it, it, again, anytime it's mentioned like that, it, it's built up to be a lot more than it is. And not that we want any, any, any more you know, crashes. We don't. But anyway, let's, let's not get off on that tangent. So going to Sturgis, going to enjoy the ride, hopefully, <laughs> again, as I uh, usually do, notwithstanding the weather. But I'm going to talk about that in a minute because I want to talk about something else in that regard. I, I really should make it part of, of, of where I am right now. So I, so I will. I'm going to Sturgis, and of course, you're riding through rain, sleet, and snow. and <laughs> Yes, sleet for sure. Maybe you don't get much snow, but you, you do get sleet when you, you're riding. And yeah, it's in August, it's heat, the summertime. You're going to get every kind of weather you can imagine. Hot for sure. Cold, you'd be shocked at how cold it gets, especially at night in, in the Black Hills. And so you know, you got to be prepared for it all. So I get a call from from my buddy, uh, Donnie, Donnie D. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and he's uh, one of the founders and the CEO of Kirsch Helmets. And, he, and he's a friend of mine. And we're, we're talking riding and, and the whole thing. Uh, he's also a, a military guy. We have a lot in common. So he just called to say hello, see what I was doing. Let me know he's probably not going to be in Sturgis. So I'm not going to get to see him. Then we talk about the ride to Sturgis. And invariably he's given me the, the update on how Kirsch Helmets are doing. Now, if you don't know Kirsch Helmets, and I've done some podcasts with Donnie, Donnie DeVito. And, and Kirsch Helmets is a motorcycle helmet. It looks like a beanie, a very small, but it's layered with these heavy, they're like bags or whatever. And, and, and they sit on your head, they weigh, they weigh a ton when you hold, you put them on your head, and it's like they're not even there. It's amazing. I met Donnie years ago at Sturgis a few years back, and he gave me the helmet to wear and look at. I picked it up, and I go, are you kidding me? Put it on my head and rode around the block. What, what, is this the way it always is? Then he showed me some of the, you can, you wet it, you can take out that liner and immerse it in water or just put it in a, in a cold place, which I have. And I think I talked about it in one of my podcasts when I was going to Sturgis a year or so ago, and... I, I, it was so hot. I remember getting, it was before Baker, because I couldn't quite make it to Baker. And I, there was a gas station in some little, at some exit, not even a town. And I took, I took the liner out and put it in the refrigerator where they keep the ice cream and left it in there while I got gas and cooled down and went to the, went to the head and, and, all, and came back. And it was cool. I put it on my head and it, it stayed cool all the way to Baker. Which was great. So we, we we were just talking, and he told me about the sell through, the success rate. He's he's working hard to get this helmet into Harley dealers, well, any motorcycle dealers, and then he's he's talking about getting the results. And, and we we just talking about and and helmet laws came up because I think I mentioned it because when we were talking about it, 
And, and I said, yeah, I said, you know, I feel funny promoting helmets. So don't get me wrong. I wear helmets all the time. Not, not all the time when I'm riding here, but I, I wear them a lot because I ride a lot. And whenever I go cross country, 90 something percent of the time, maybe 80, I'm, <laughs> I'm wearing a full face helmet because I'm, I'm ready for anything. I'm ready for the weather. I got the, the sun shield in front of me, which is protecting me from those constant sun rays. Also, the wind, the heat, the, the cold, and all those things. I, I don't think about it as a protection against injuries when I crash. I don't. I, I wear it for other reasons. So um, when I wear the, the, the curse, it's because I, I don't always like to wear a full face. I can't always just not take it off and not wear a helmet. And I wear the curse, and it's, it's a little cooler because now I've learned how to keep the lining cool, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes very cold, and, and I don't even know it's on. It's so weird. It weighs so much when you're holding it, and you put it on your head, and you go running, you don't know it's there, and, and it's stable. So it's not getting, you know, you don't, like a, a, a normal helmet, man, I sound like I'm doing a commercial for Kirsch helmets. <laughs> Maybe I should be. But anyway, so I, I brought up, the hel- I know what I brought up. I brought up the fact that I liked it so much when he did a podcast with me a few years ago at the Buffalo Chip. And I was skeptical and brought up helmet laws. And Donnie was like so adamantly against helmet laws and I was surprised. Because you would think most helmet manufacturers would want and maybe even lobby for helmet laws. And his was like, we don't need these laws. He said, if, if, the, if the helmet is something that people want to wear, they're going to gravitate to it. They don't need help from the government to wear a helmet. You're not going to get... And I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. If... if if the government wants to put their their thumb on the scales of justice, they're going to create the justice they want, which isn't real justice at all. Same thing with marketing. When I used to be asked when I owned the Harley Davidson dealership, San Diego Harley Davidson, they would ask me, "What? Well, how's business? What do you think?" And I said, "Look, business is great. I'm not worried about the vagaries of the marketplace. That's." That's never going to be a problem. I'm worried about the government, government rules and regulations that is going to hurt business outside of any understanding of what the marketplace wants. And, and it's the same thing. And so when the government pushes and mandates for, for people to wear helmets, they're going to sell more helmets. There's going to be people that are going to be we're buying and wearing helmets that really don't want to. And so it's, but on the other side, if a certain helmet is good, look, I, I mean, I've changed brands of full face over the years. And I, you know, I, I've last, what, five years, I wear a bell helmet, not because it meant anything different to me in, in helmet sales. It, that never entered into consideration with what or why I would wear a particular brand. I mean, I'm not riding 
the thousands of miles, 30, 35,000 miles a year or more with, with a helmet on for the most of that and, and say, okay, it's because I'm going to sell a few more or make a few thousand. No, <laughs> I'm wearing the helmet I want to wear, period. And so it, it's, it was an interesting conversation and it, it was just, it goes a little further towards understanding not the role of government, because when you say the role of government, you automatically think, oh, that's what government's supposed to do. But no, the, the role of government in our lives, that's totally inappropriate when they pass laws that they think. Yeah, I'm thinking this is kind of backwards and inside out, but I, I just wanted to get out. I, and, and of course, now that brings me to one other thing. That I that I've got to talk about it before I wanted to. I, there's so many, I want to talk about all this political stuff. I know I'm not going to get a, get to all of it, but you know, really today was about fake everything and the lies and why this this government of ours, especially today, is dealing with in dealing in lies like never before. So let's talk about let's talk about this environment issue that they keep on saying is, you know, so existential to Earth that it's going to cause Earth to not exist. I, I, I got to laugh even when I, when, I, when I hear myself say it. But let's talk about the fake everything, fake news, fake science, fake, fake arrest. And again, symbolic of everything going on was the fake arrest of AOC right there on camera for everybody to see. She's protesting the Supreme Court and the cops come arrest her. First place, the other weird thing about that was she's kind of wearing an overcoat, something you'd wear in New York when it's like down to 40 degrees in the, in the late fall. And she's wearing that 90 degree heat in, in Washington, D.C., and the others are all wearing other inappropriate, but I'm just talking about AOC because that's the one I saw on TV. And she has her hands behind her back like she's being arrested. And that's what the, the commentators say. AOC being arrested at the, at the protest against the Supreme Court. And there she is. The cops are taking her off and handcuffed. Wait a minute. No, she's not handcuffed. Wait, is she? Is she handcuffed? Can you see? Oh, wait a minute. No, she's not. Oh, there she goes. She's waving at the crowd and pump fisting. She's pumping her fist in, in victory. And I mean, come on. What in the world? But so symbolic of everything about this president, this administration, the, the, the current Congress. So, and then you see Pete Buttigieg. You see Pete Buttigieg get up there. Was it yesterday when they were questioning him? And he said, yeah, they have to feel the pain, but that's good because if they're paying more for gas and feeling the pain, then that's going to sell more electric vehicles. I paraphrase. But that's what he said. Paraphrased. <laughs> it's a, the essence of exactly what he said. So we, we, we start talking about this and... I, I, I listened to it. 
I listened to him say electric vehicles because they want to sell electric vehicles. That's going to save the environment. That's going to save the planet. That's part of the Green New Deal. Well, I drive an electric vehicle. I do. I, I recently, this past January of this year, bought a brand spanking new Ford Mach-E. That's what they call it. It's a beautiful car. It really is. It drives great. It's, uh, uh, there's so much of it to love, except for the fact that it's all electric. It's horrible. So let me just tell you. I went down to buy a pickup truck. My friend runs the dealership. This car was there. The person ordered it. You got to order these electric vehicles months in advance. And this guy didn't before the car came. He, I guess he just ran out of patience and bought something else and didn't tell them. And I got there the day that the, the vehicle got there. And my guy was like, yeah, man, the guy right there, I'll put it out, well, you know, whatever. But, hey, Mike, if you want to drive, you know, whatever and all that. And next thing I know, I'm buying the vehicle. It made sense. Before the big explosion. Yes, inflation has been around since Biden's around. <laughs> yes. But the big jump in gas prices wasn't quite there. But it was moving in that direction. And you could, you know, I clearly see... Gas was up a buck, a buck and a half a, a gallon, even at that time. And so it, it, I said, you know what? Um, I think it's a good thing to do. And I did it. So, and I have a lot of friends who drive Teslas and love them. Love them. Because they're great, great machines. And so I said, okay. And this is beautiful. And it was right there. I didn't have to wait. And, you know, and I, listen, I got it, okay? So even when I got it, I knew that there was going to be some bumps in the road when it came to the charging. I mean, that was my complaint about the Harley, you know, EV motorcycle, that the charging thing, you drive 100 miles, you got to charge for eight hours. And they're going to improve it. I know they are. But meanwhile, I, I got this problem. So I said, I'll figure it out. Because you get 300 miles to a, to a full charge. And I said, I could, I could deal with that. And the charging... Didn't sound like it was eight or ten hours. Well, it, it is. <laughs> Trust me, it is. So I got that vehicle, and it's bullshit. So before I go forward, I want you to know what I'm going to tell you is all, all the, 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 the drawbacks and the lies that are perpetuated all the way up to our president, all the way up to the Secretary of Transportation, Mr. Buttigieg. Because they're full of shit. There's no way that anybody with any long-term perspective is going to sit here and tell you that electric vehicles are, are, are going to save our future. Now, they may be what's coming. I, I'm not going to deny that. There may be a big benefit, but that benefit isn't there now. And what they should have done was allow the marketplace on its own without this artificial influence of increasing gas prices and regulations. Look, it's not just increasing gas prices. They purposely are, are getting rid of fossil fuels. They're getting rid of it. This is their goal, their stated goal. 
they, you know, they, I don't have to repeat everything they've done. And they've done it to limit fossil fuels, to put all these rules and regulations on, on all the, the fuel companies, the energy companies out there, make it difficult and expensive, which they know is going to be passed on to the, to the average driver. And that driver is going to be more influenced to buy an electric vehicle. But let me tell you before you do, your energy rates at home are going to go up. Not just a little bit. They're going to go up a lot of bit. And you're going to be inconvenienced way beyond anything you're thinking of right now. And I'll tell you why. Sure, I've got friends who drive Teslas, and they love the car. It's fast as hell. It's, it's fun. It has all kinds of great electronics and all that stuff. And maybe they don't have an issue because they could spend 70, 80, 100 and something thousand dollars on their Tesla. And that's great. And yes, the not having to to buy six and seven dollar a gallon gasoline helps a lot. There's no question about it. But what they don't tell you is there's an inconvenience factor. And that factor is that when when we took that Tesla home, we found out that plugging it in, you, you have to have a 220 line. So we, we, bought, we bought that. We had an electrician come over and put the line in. But in that week or so until we did it, there was a cost. And there was a huge time gap between when it was the charge ended and it was fully charged. Because you don't understand. And, and when you finally realize it, that there's a game you got to play. You charge every chance you get. So it never goes down to the charge never gets so low that you're below 50% because then you will have to wait seven or eight or nine hours. And here's the additional problem with that. We found out after a month because I have a friend who's in the solar panel business and I asked him about it and he helped me out and he said, no, just because you have solar panels, which we do, just because you have solar panels doesn't mean that you, you're going you're gonna to save all this money when you charge. And, and we, didn't, we, got, we got our first, our first SDG&E bill here in California. We went from paying, I don't know, under 100 bucks a month to over $700. Why? Because I just came home. I got the 220 line. I plugged it in. Oh, this is great. I got solar panels. And I didn't know that you had to call up get a, a special ID number for the, you know, you got to give them the serial number of your car. They, you know, there's all that they have to do. And then you have to plug it in at the best time that they have, whatever that's called, which is 12 midnight to 6 a.m. From 9 to 12 is reduced, but from 6 a.m. till 9 p.m., it's like, what, I don't know the number, 60 cents per kilowatt hour. Then it goes down to 42 cents per kilowatt hour. And I'm not being exact. But at 12 o'clock to 6 o'clock, it is 11 cents per kilowatt hour. So you, you got, now you could program your car so it automatically charges at 12 and stops charging at 6. I get it. You could do all that. 
But you do have to do all that. And you need to know that if you need the full charge and you're down to 25 or 30%, you're not going to get to 100% in those six hours. So you've got to manage that. Now, what, they, what else they don't tell you, and of course, this is something they have to understand. When they tell you that these peak hours are expensive for a reason, because that's when everybody's up. They're running their air conditioning, their refrigerators, washers, dryers, TV, everything is on. That's why there's peak hours. So when they sell enough electric vehicles that everybody's charging those vehicles between 12 at night and 6 in the morning, what's going to happen to those peak hours? Those are going to be the hours because they, it uses up so much more. The intensity of the electric charge that they need to charge these vehicles is so much more than a refrigerator. So when all these cars start competing for the charge between 12 at night and 6 in the morning, that's going to become the peak hours and then it's going to get very expensive. But they don't tell you that. Why? Because that might discourage you from making that switch. You gotta pay 20,000 or more for an electric vehicle that's the same as the equivalent gas vehicle. So that that's gonna, whatever's gonna influence your decision, that, that's what the government does. But when we talk about fake news and fake science, you know, fake it till you make it, that's not there for the government. The lies, deceptions, distortions of history and the use of these lies to manipulate the direction of the country is the hallmark of the Democrat, Democrat Party's control of Congress and the White House. If the fake arrest of AOC and the cohorts didn't emphasize this, you weren't paying attention. The casual way they made believe they were handcuffed with a wink and a smile, should have let everyone know that lying is just so normal, so why not? And bring law enforcement in on the act with these mugshot selfies that the officers are taking. Even contaminating the law by making them complicit in this charade by actual members of Congress. They made it look easy. Just just as, they, as they've made it look easy to get the country on board with the global warming hoax, acting like, of course, this is an existential threat. Of course, not agreeing with this is blasphemy. Not agreeing with this is, uh, you may as well, you may as well, you're an enemy of, of America if you don't agree with this. It's a man-made threat to our weather. It's the entire Earth's ecosystem, as if... The dinosaurs were responsible for the Ice Age. <laughs> Pretty much. That's what they're saying. Interestingly, there are two parts of that that lie. Okay, Two parts of that lie. One is the, the facts themselves that we humans are somehow a major contributor to whatever's destroying the planet. Now, am I saying that we're not contributing our share? Yeah, monkeys are con contributing their share. Yeah, giraffes, butterflies, 
little wonderful butterflies. <laughs> Everything is contributing. The trees. I mean, come on. Are we contributing a little more? I really don't know the answer to that. Yeah, there's a, close to 7 billion humans on the planet. How many cows on the planet? How many? I mean, before you start saying that mankind, humankind, is contributing a big enough chunk that by changing some of our lifestyle rules that we could... No, I'm not buying that. No, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be more cognizant and careful of pollution. And we don't want dirty air and dirty water. We don't, but you know, let, me, let me just put it this way. Again, there's several parts of that lie. One, A, that the planet's being destroyed. The planet's not being destroyed. It's not, the planet's been around for billions of years, and hopefully it'll be around for billions of more years. We're learning now that the Milky Way galaxy is only one of many galaxies, that we are just a, a very small part of the existence of whatever space is. So, you know, we, 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 we don't have the ability to control that. That's why some of us, well, hopefully, not some of us, most of us, believe in God. Okay, that's the second part. That by changing our behavior, we can save Earth. I, 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 just, and, and the third part, that there are some changes that are benign, okay? Um, of course, and what I'm talking about are these conduct changes that the government is pushing on us. So, benign? Yeah, some things are benign. I get it. But not everything. And if you look at what's happening in the Netherlands to the farmers' crops, and in other places around the world, and even in the United States, the, the government is so sneaky about this. They slide it underneath. They may, if they want to see us eating less meat, because the production of meat, cattle, and, and, and all that is, it creates pollution. <laughs> That's, look what they're going to do. And if you don't look at what's happening in the Netherlands and around the world to the farmers, and you don't see it right here because it's kind of sneaky, but it's not sneaky in the Netherlands. So take a look, okay? And the second part is that if you're not for major climate legislation, if you're not for this Green New Deal, then you don't want clean air and water. And that's the fakest of all. We want a clean environment. Re Republicans, I mean, they're not going to sit on this one either. President Nixon created the EPA. President Nixon created Medicare. Those, those are Repub Republican administrations are just as conscious of the environment we want we want everything to be clean we don't want pollution we want to get rid of anything that's that's detrimental to the planet and to the to anybody and anything any animal any plant that lives in this planet we all want the same thing we're just not calling it an existential threat and creating a Green New Deal, which gives the government control of so much of our lives.
And then, you know, it's, it's been said, while a lie has traveled around the world, the truth is, is just getting out of bed. Actually, I think, I think it was said, the truth is just putting on her boots. And, 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 that's, and that's true. But why? Do they tell you why that a lie has traveled around the world while the truth is just putting on her boots? Because the truth is comfortable. The truth doesn't have to sell itself. The truth is so naive. It's the truth. <laughs> so it's, it's comfortable with itself, has no reason to be defensive or to, to validate that which is so comfortably valid. It, it, it's, it's, it's the truth. <laughs> and as a believer, I, I don't ask for proof. I don't, I don't need evidence. I don't need pictures. I have my belief. When, 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 you, when you see Al Gore's inconvenient truth, what in the world is inconvenient about the truth? To me, there is nothing inconvenient about the truth. But when they start telling you that the, the, you know, the, the earth, because of man, because of humans, man and woman, got to bring them in, you are guilty too. <laughs> when they tell you that us humans are destroying the planet and they've got to prove it by naming this movie Inconvenient, the, the truth is inconvenient to these people who are peddling it, who are using it to sell big government. That's what they're doing. And th th there is nothing inconvenient about the truth. So we don't need lies in government to artificially help. They put it out there is so important. Let's talk, talk about polling. Talk about polling. Now, I'm not a fan of polling. I keep on thinking, wait a minute. If you, you're going to talk to what? How many people? I see polls, 578 people were polled. 1,000 people. 2,000 people. Well, if you want a really big poll done by one of the big polling agencies that have all this money to go out there and poll that many more people, it may be 2,500 people. It may be... Thousand, ten thousand. I don't. I don't think I've seen a poll of ten thousand people. What about a poll? Get this. Think about this for a minute. If it actually could be done, what about a poll of three hundred and thirty million people? That's right. You know what that's called? That's called the marketplace. <laughs> yeah, you put something out there to sell for people to buy, and you give it a while. Now, yeah, that. That kind of polling takes a little while. You can't just put it out there and get the answer in a week. No. But when you put it out there, if you, if you believe in your product, if you believe in your candidate, you put that product or person out there in the marketplace of, you know, you could call it votes or you can call it dollars. When, it, when you sell enough of something, sooner or later, look, um, and I, I think I said this in my last podcast. I had a friend of mine, a guy that owned the restaurant. I ate in all the time. Johnny Siokas. What a, oh, a great character he was. This is Columbia, South Carolina, the Capitol Grill, going back to the 60s. And Johnny 
always said, class will tell and shit will smell, and the cream will rise to the top in that big old southern drawl of his. And, and he'd always say that. Anytime I complain, oh, this happened and that happened. Mark, it's y'all going to, you know, that was, the cream will rise to the top. Well, you know what? That's just the way it is. If you put a product out there, you can advertise it all you want. If it doesn't work, if it doesn't live up to your hype, yeah, you'll sell it for a little while. But after a while, little sales will go away. It, you, you, in order to have sustained sales, in order to have a poll that people continue to say to you, yeah, I like that. It's got to be, how many products don't you see? How many products don't you see advertised? Maybe you see them once. <laughs> my favorite one is Mike Lindell. Yeah, my pillow. My pillow. No, I don't have a my pillow. But, but that doesn't mean I don't like Mike Lindell. I like his belief in in America. His belief in the system. He goes out there and does it. And by the way, he got smacked down so bad. The left. You talk about the thumb of government on the scale. The government putting their thumb on the scale. Mike Lindell, the left wing put their, their whole bodies on the scale against Mike Lindell and my pillow and my slippers and my area. Pretty soon they'll be selling motorcycles. MyMotorcycle.com. <laughs> Mike, Mike Lindell is like the quintessential sales guy. Never gives up. And he keeps on pushing. And even when all of these retail outlets that respond to the government. Now... I'm not saying they respond to the left or the right. They respond to who's in charge. And who's in charge of them is always the Democrats. At least that's the way it seems. I I very rarely, okay, chick pill <laughs> There you go. There's one. But if you take all these others from Costco to Macy's, I, I don't know who else, stop carrying the, the MyPillow brand. But that doesn't mean they've stopped selling. They're still selling like crazy. Of course, Mike Lindell is out there on all the channels. And, and what, he's, what he's doing is saying, I got a great brand. I believe in it. And my customers believe in it. And, and, and I believe you're still going to buy it. And people still buy it. And, and that's the test. That's the real test. So, yes, you, you can poll and see if somebody likes something. Or you can put it out there. If the, the, the real poll, the real test, the real vote, the vote that comes on election day, the vote that takes the poll of, of everybody out there and says yes or no on this one, yes or no on that one, the real moment of truth is what you and I buy and who you and I vote for and that, that should be the unvarnished truth, not the inconvenient truth. So when it's inconvenient and they have to sell it and they have to lie about it, which is what they're doing, they have to build it up to more of a danger than it is. It's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. And you got to see it coming. You got to see that when they doth protest too much. It's, it's the same thing when, when, they, when they're telling you 
day after day, minute after minute. Green New Deal, Green New Deal. Otherwise, we're gonna we're gonna blow up. We're gonna go away. The the earth is gonna is gonna dissolve. That's what Al Gore said in the nineties. We had twelve years. We're still here. It's twenty five years later. It's we're here. We're going to be here. This inconvenient truth is standing in the way of selling this government. Green New Deal, this government sky is falling, chicken little disaster. It, 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 it's, it's interfering with at least half the country. The rest of the country needs to wake up. Yes, we want a clean environment and we should do what it takes to have that. Okay, we're, gonna, we're going to pass laws and they're not going to be easy, easy for everybody to, to follow, easy for everybody to obey. There's going to be some inconvenience, but not to the truth. The truth will out. And I, everybody listening and everybody you know should want to see that happen. And you should hold up that image of AOC faking her arrest for whatever reason, faking her arrest as symbolic of the fake news, the fake government, the fake leadership, the, the fake everything that is, is going on that we have in this administration today. It's, it's, it's wrong. It's damaging. You talk about something that's existential, something that is dangerous to the very existence of our country and our way of life. It's a government lying to us in order to get things done. Yeah, well, the only way we can get the people to stop polluting the air is by lying. If that's what we have to do, that's what we'll do. The only way to get people to buy electric cars, according to the Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, the only way to get people to buy electric cars is to keep raising the price of gasoline. That's, that doesn't work. And when you extend that to every other area of this government, the education, the Department of Defense of this country, it's all wrong. There is nothing inconvenient about the truth, and there's nothing that's not wrong and, and dangerous to the very existence of this government, not the earth, to the government of the United States of America than the lies that it's telling. I want to thank everybody again for listening to Roll Right Radio. I, I want to really emphasize and appreciate those of you who subscribe and those of you who are influencing other people to subscribe, don't lie to them. Listen, <laughs> if if you don't like the if you don't like the show, don't 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 sell it. But if you if you do like it, a lot of people do, and I and I appreciate the comments that I get. I really really do appreciate those comments. They they keep me motivated and inspired to keep on to keep on doing this. And what I need is a whole bunch 
of more subscribers. And I really do appreciate everybody who's going out there and doing what they can to get those subscribers. For Roll Right Radio, I'm New York Mike, rolling right, and I'm out. Thanks for listening to the Roll Right Radio podcast. Listen, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.